Everyone. And welcome to our service this morning, whether you're here with us in church or at home. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to say a special welcome to the Reverend Ian McKee, who's leading our service today. Ian was last with us on the 2nd of January 2022. And to put that in context, that's the Sunday before Mark took his first service. And Ian is former Minister of Ochnacloy and Bally McGran. So Ian, you're very, very welcome, and we look forward to hearing from you this morning. Thank you for coming. Now, the other announcements, Reverend Shaw will be back with us next Sunday. His holiday concludes on Saturday. So we look forward to seeing him back on Sunday. And if in the meantime, you require the services of a minister, please contact any elder. The church office reopens on Tuesday. You'll be aware that Rini has been on holiday, but she comes back to duties on Tuesday. So from Tuesday onwards, the church office will be open at its normal times. The organizations and activities are all about to start. You will have seen on the screens this morning the arrangements for those. It's such a long list, I'm not going to read it to you now, but I hope you picked up on your own activities and your own organizations on the screen. And if you missed out, the halls allocations are more or less the same as last year. So whatever time it was on last year, it's likely to be the same this year. The men's breakfast begins next Saturday. Nine o'clock is a new time, gentlemen. If you plan to attend, please confirm with Bill Aiken so that Bill can inform the caterers. That's a very important aspect of it. Robert has asked me to announce that next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock there will be a prayer morning. It's in the quiet room. So would you please put that in your diary and if you can make it, he would be quite delighted. If you have any requests or announcements for next Sunday, please make them to the church office. And you will have seen coming in this morning the activity that's been going on. I arrived just before 10 o'clock and the Tables and chairs were all laid out, so people have been here from a very early time. Brian was actually on the barbecue at that time. So we say our thanks this morning to the mission group who are organizing the barbecue after church. Thank them so much for all the work that they have done, and we're delighted that they've got a good day for it. So to the mission group and everyone involved, thank you so much for all that you have done for this morning. And now I wish to invite the Reverend McKee to lead our service. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for your warm words of welcome. I've looked forward to coming uh, today. I'm glad you've resisted the temptation to get your burger and get an early seat out there. Uh, coming in for the service, first of all, I'm sure it'll be lovely. We had a, a fun day at St. Andrew's where I'm a member uh, yesterday, so we too were thankful to the Lord for good weather, and uh, it looks like Today, it's going to be even hotter, so enjoy yourselves. I'll have to go after the service. Is this a short service this morning? I, I thought the barbecue was been done outside the building, but we'll just take five.
Ah, does that mean we'll have to go on then? <laughs> okay, well, if we can settle ourselves now and, and come before God, uh, let's hear God's word and then have a brief prayer together. In Psalm uh, number 16 and verses 7 through 8, the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come together this morning to worship you. We know that you are here and we are glad. We know that you will not disappoint us as we seek to draw near to you. Our prayer is that the praise that we bring and the prayers that we offer will be pleasing in your sight. In the Saviour's precious name we pray. Amen. Now let's stand, if you're able, to sing to God's praise, All my hope on God is founded. We join together again in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth that is in Christ, and that in him is life in all its fullness, that because of his life and death and resurrection, he is our strength, our guide, our teacher, our Lord. 
Father, we praise you for the confidence we can have in Christ. In him we don't hide from life's problems, but he gives us the strength to face each day. You don't provide a crutch to prop up broken lives, but you give us power to lift us, to hold us, and to enable us to do things we couldn't otherwise have done. We thank you that Christ taught us not to trust the way of self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, or power in positive thinking, but rather he called us to trust in the reality of receiving your Holy Spirit, who alone will empower us to live for you. We praise you that no matter what the future holds for us, you will walk with us to the end. No matter the faith or the hope with which you fill our lives, you lead us in the way that declares your truth and offers new life to our neighbour. We ask this morning that the spirit of joy and gratitude may colour every facet of our lives, overflowing, touching and changing the lives of those around us, and bringing glory to your name. Hear us further as we pray the words of the family prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, girls and boys, there's a few of you scattered around, so I'm going to treat you as the girls and boys and the big people beside you. They're girls and boys too. So if you're 80 years old, you can say you're 8 years old this morning. If you're 90, you're 9. And I expect full cooperation from all ages. I want to um, show you some pictures. Where we go? No, the first one. Come back. Right. The key word that I want you to remember uh, is the word. What's that? <laughs> this chick needs something, and needs something uh, urgently. What do we think that the chick might need? Eh? It needs something to eat, doesn't it? It needs maybe something to drink. Whenever the chick's just born, it doesn't come out with a, a little manual, a little book, and telling him all the things that he is to, to do. So he has to learn. The chick has to learn. This man is in a bad way here. I don't know whether he, it's a husband who didn't do the dishes properly or didn't offer to set the table or, or what. But what does he need? He needs to be what? He needs to be untied or he needs to be set free. Isn't that right? What does this wee man need? He's in a bad way too. 
He needs somebody to come along and what him? Rescue him, yes. He needs somebody to, to rescue him. And you have to look very carefully at this picture. Look at the man's, I presume it's a man, look at his uh, trousers and his, um, the lining of the trousers. There's nothing there, and he's a few coins on the table. So what is it that he's in need of? He needs money, 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 yes. And, and many of us can identify with that in different ways. That's right. Now, I don't know whether it's the baby who's got the problem or the man, the daddy or granda who's holding the baby. But what's the problem here? Who needs help? <laughs> Hands up if you think it's the baby. <laughs> Hands up if you think it's the man. <laughs> yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that too. Yes, the, the man uh, needs, needs help. There's somebody who's obviously got himself into trouble and he needs to be set free. Yes, he needs to be set free. Oops. Now, this is, this is, this is somebody who's in big trouble. The car has overturned. So I don't know whether it's the AA he needs or the RAC or somebody else. He's probably got the seatbelt on and that stopped him actually falling to the ground himself. But this man needs help. All of these things and people have needed help. And they couldn't help themselves. Isn't that right? They just couldn't help themselves. This man is not able to get out of his car on his own. He needs help. And as far as you and I are concerned, and all the big people and all the weak people here this morning, there is a problem in your life and in, in my life, and we can't help ourselves. We are helpless. We are helpless. And, and the little picture simply shows that it's sin that is the problem. We, we can maybe stop saying bad things, make an effort to do so. We can stop banging the doors in the house when we don't get our own way. We can do all sorts of things like that. But God knew that we couldn't do it all, for we were helpless. And the sin, that's simply a word for all the wrongdoing uh, that I do and all the wrongdoing that you do, all the bad things. And the sin was getting in the way between us and God. And we are helpless to do anything about it. But the good news is that Jesus came and Jesus enabled us to get across the ravine, the big gap that kept us away from, from God. And Jesus has dealt with our sin. And the wonderful thing is, for whatever age we are this morning, that all we have to do is to say sorry to God and mean it. And God says, I will forgive you. One of the verses in the Bible says just that, that if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're helpless, but we're not hopeless because Jesus has come. And this is one of the wonderful verses in the Bible from the New Testament and from Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. I'm going to read it first of all, and then I'll invite you all uh, to say the wee verse with me 
uh, after. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Would you say it with me, please, after two? One, two. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. So we're helpless, but we're not hopeless because Christ has come. Let's talk to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that while we were helpless as far as sin was concerned, we thank you that we're not hopeless because you have come and you have taken that sin from us when you died for us on the cross at Calvary. We pray, Father, for all the girls and boys and, and big people here this morning that they will too recognize that without you they are helpless, but with you they are hopeful of a new life, a new way of life, and a new person by their side. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to sing, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. Do you do actions in this church? <laughs> Not the head. Okay, let's see how we go. Everybody has their own actions for all these songs, so don't follow me. Follow yourself, okay? Girls and boys may now leave. we read from uh, God's Word from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, and reading from uh, verse 8. We hear these words. Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, 
I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Amen. Let's join together again in prayer, this time as we think of others uh, who are in need. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, at the beginning of the new school year, we pray especially for school children, those who are at school for the very first time. We pray that you would enable them to know that you are with them, that they are not on their own, and that they never are. We pray for those who have gone on into a new class and have got to get used to a new teacher. We pray that the teacher will love them and, and care for them. We pray for those who have changed schools with all the stresses and strains that that can bring. And we ask that you would ease their way into good friendships. We pray, Father, for those who have received exam results and or will be receiving uh, exam results. Help them, Father, to recognize that their result does not define who they are, that you love them and care for them and have a plan for them. We thank you, Father, in Northern Ireland, especially of the, the great numbers of Christian school teachers. And we praise you for the example that they can be before their pupils. We pray for all who teach in our schools and universities that you would enable them to do their best for your glory and for the good of the children and young people. We pray, Father, for those who are persecuted for their faith in Christ. We pray for those who, for the sake of others, stand against injustice and corruption and evil and do so at great cost to themselves. Keep them safe, we pray. Keep them close to yourself. We pray for all who face conflict, for homes where life is kind of one long argument, for relationships that began in love and hope but have been sarred by broken promises, where trust has been lost, 
We pray for those who are facing violence or hatred or indifference. And we remember those who have been robbed of their innocence. We ask in Jesus' name that you bring your healing balm to those who are hurting, that they may know healing. We pray for those who have settled for second best, for those who refuse to be different and, and are content to blend in with the crowd. We pray for those who were once faithful disciples, daring for Christ and alive with the Spirit, but who have subsequently fallen away. We ask that you would open their eyes and bring them back to yourself. We pray for those whose sickness has worn them down, for those whose illness has restricted the lives of their families, for those who have lost their freedom as they're tied up constantly with elderly members of their family. Give them strength, we pray. Give them patience. Give them hope and joy and peace as they minister to those they love deeply. And we bring these, our prayers, in the name of Jesus, who understands our pain and shares all our difficulties. Amen. Do you have an offering taken in, or you do? Okay, your offering will be received. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the blessings that you shower upon us. We thank you for the finance that you entrust us with. And we ask that you would receive these, our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, and use them for the greater glory of your name. And guide us, we pray, by your Spirit in the use of that which we retain for other purposes. In the Saviour's name we pray. Amen.
Now we're going to stand and sing to God's praise, Help us to help each other, Lord. We get into that one after a bit now. We were a wee bit timid in the first verse, but God knows. Can you? There we go. This is the title for our study time this morning. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those who help themselves is probably one of the most quoted phrases that's not in the Bible. Another phrase which some think is from the Bible is, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not exactly what the Scripture says. It's the love of money. And depending on which translation you use, it can be a root of all evil. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 25 and verse 4 declares about God, You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress. So God does help the helpless. He cares deeply about the poor and needy, and so must we, which discredits another dreadful phrase that charity begins at home. The writer to the Hebrews, from which we read earlier, says that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I want this morning to point out three things. And the first is that we all start off helpless. As I was saying a little bit earlier uh, with the girls and boys in particular, we all start off helpless As in Romans 5 and verse 6 we read, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. All of us have surely been in situations where we feel powerless. 
where we feel unable to to help ourselves. And so if God only helps those who can help themselves, we'd all be in big trouble. Helplessness, of course, is a common denominator to all of us at one time or another. For example, we all enter this life utterly helpless, dependent 100% on others to feed us, to change us, to wind us, to keep us safe, to love us, and maybe you can think of other things by the way. Many years ago, um, together with my family, we were on holiday in the Lake District, and we found out that there was a monster truck show. Do you know what that is? You know, the great big vehicle is much bigger than the biggest tractor that you would normally see. And we decided to go to this monster truck show, and, and true to form, I'm, I'm kind of, my father ingrained it in me always be early, wherever you're going. And he would have always said, said allow time to change a tire if you get a puncture. So I've tried to live by that mantra. But it didn't hold me in good stead here because we went really early. We, we had the prime sight sitting watching. And then horror of horrors, the trucks came in and they, were, they reversed in in front of where we were sitting. And it ended up, we were kind of like in the car park. And by the time all of this had happened, all the other good spaces and the grass verge all around, like an auditorium, had been taken. So I had to help my wife and bring three children scrambling up a bank and trying to hold on to most of them uh, while the uh, truck show went on. But we were helpless. There was nothing in this world that I or anybody else could do about it. Another occasion comes to mind when, with a colleague, we were driving across the, the carriageway uh, toward the, what used to be the Castlereagh roundabout, the traffic lights now, and there was heavy rain and there was a major, major flood, and we hit this water and didn't see it coming, and the car just aquaplaned. It, it, it just, the tyres the didn't touch the ground at all, and we aquaplaned were planed into the back of another car, and we couldn't stop ourselves. No point in putting the brakes on because there was nothing working. And that was yet another occasion when being helpless was not something that you wanted uh, to be. Well, God alone has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross so that our sin could be fully and finally dealt with. And so while we were helpless, though, as I said earlier, not hopeless, God had our backs, praise his name. And because of him, we can live our lives dominated by hope. God is the one who helps shy students going to university for the first time. He helps them to nail their colors to the mast if they are Christians so that other people will know. God is the one who helps the newlywed Christian couple to build their marriage on a solid biblical footing where love and forgiveness are very much to the fore. God is the one who helps concerned parents or grandparents or indeed great-grandparents anxious about a family member who has kicked against their Christian upbringing. There's a lot of talk today about 
uh, being able to be anything that we want to be. Very confusing for young people because the Apostle Paul's caveat to this kind of slightly skewed thinking in Philippians 4 and 13 is this. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And that's the thing that we need to help young people especially to understand. You can most certainly be anything that you want to be, do anything that you want to do, but make sure it's through Christ because that's where the promise is. On our own, we would be incapable of bringing about major changes to our lives. We, if our temper was a problem, we can, really, we can try to manage that. If what comes out of our lips is a problem, we can try to hold our tongue. We can try to resist temptation. We can try our best to manage our thoughts, but ultimately, if we're doing it on our own strength, we're doomed to failure, aren't we? As many could testify to. And yet with God fighting our corner, we're unbeatable. Our faith is unshakable and our witness undeniably effective. And so when we admit that we are helpless, we rely on the power of God, which is as it should be. And it's then that we know his empowerment. So we're all helpless, self-included. Secondly, we are or can be forgiven. In the message translation, we read, I'll forgive, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their lives, of their sins. This is Eugene Peterson. Two little brothers, Harry and James, had finished supper and were playing until bedtime. Somehow Harry hit James with a stick, and tears and bitter words followed. Charges and accusations were exchanged as their mother prepared them for bed. She said, Now, boys, what would happen if either of you died tonight and you never had the opportunity to forgive one another? Well, James spoke up, Well, okay, I'll give him, forgive him tonight, but if we're both alive in the morning, he'd better look out. <laughs> Many of us wrestle, don't we, with the forgetting part, especially if something uh, pretty terrible has been done to us. We do forgive the individual for what they've done, but often the pain that's been inflicted and the damage that's been done is such that we struggle to forget. But not so God. The Scripture tells us that when he forgives, he forgets. And God knows that this is hard. He knows it's hard to forgive someone who has hurt us, and it's harder still to forget. And yet how can we withhold from another what we ourselves have received from God? General Oglethorpe is reported to have once said to John Wesley, I never forgive, and I never forget, to which Wesley replied, Then, sir, I hope that you never sin. God knew and God knows that we falter and fail. God knew and God knows that we mess up and that even earnest sin saints trip up and fall foul of the tempter. But the Bible shows us the way back. 
that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God wanted those and wants those who have come to faith to know that he keeps no record of wrongs. God wants us to know that when we honestly confess our sin and turn from it, he remembers it no more. But of course, there's a problem. There's always a problem. Satan doesn't like it. And John in Revelation 12 and 10 calls him the accuser of our brothers. So how does he do it? How does he make our lives miserable? Well, he calls us, causes us to dwell on our past sins, which we all have, until we feel guilty and ashamed and worthless and unclean. And sometimes feelings of embarrassment cause us even to doubt our salvation. These guilt feelings about our past are the devil's way to choke our joy, to drain away our faith, to remove our assurance, to rob us of inner peace, and to leave us confused and depressed. When the devil attacks us, he attacks us over and over about things that we have already confessed and have been forgiven for. And you know, while you cannot change your past, you don't have to relive your sins all over again. I can't recall who said it. It's something that I must have read or heard many, many years ago. But I found it to be very helpful day by day. And it's simply this statement that when Satan comes knocking, don't answer the door. When Satan comes knocking, don't answer the door. Because on the cross, Jesus did what we couldn't do for ourselves. And as in Hebrews 10 and 18, we read, where these, our sins, have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So here's good news for each one of us. One that we were helpless, that through Christ we are or can be forgiven. And because of him, we are being, whoops, transformed. By one sacrifice, we read, he has, made, been, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And this means that you and I can have the assurance that we stand perfect and complete in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. Does this mean that Christians don't sin, don't get sick, don't make mistakes, that we're already perfect in our behavior and attitudes? Of course not. Shadow me for a week if you want some proof. That's why the tense is so important. It's not that we are perfect now because we are being made holy. We stand perfect and complete in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. Becoming more like Jesus is a process whereby increasingly we give control of areas of our lives that were hitherto off limits to God. Are there any areas in your life that are kind of off limits to God. Leave me, leave this bit to me. You look after the Sunday bit, but leave this bit to me. Many of us, if we're honest, have no trouble giving God a, an hour or two on a Sunday, but we do struggle to give him access to all areas of our lives 
every minute of every day, to our thoughts, to our relationships, to our attitudes, and indeed to our work-life balance. Peter wrote to early Christians words of encouragement. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Jesus' expectation, you see, of you, same as of me, is not that we settle down into our comfy chair and idle away the hours with only an occasional nod to God. According to these words of the Apostle Paul, we're all expected to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, with no exceptions, not just your mark, it's all of our ministries together. Much is expected of the follower of Jesus Christ, but we're not left to do it on our own. When Paul says in Romans 12 and 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, it's not all up to you or up to me. And as we draw to a conclusion, if you're a believer this morning, would people work it out for yourself, for themselves, that you are, by your interest in people, by your love for the family of God, by your care for the helpless, by your passion for the things of God, by your willingness to go the second mile? You see, God will equip us and encourage us. He'll direct us and discipline us. Jesus did it all on the cross, and the only sacrifice that God requires from you or from me is that of obedience. So are you resolved with God's help to be the best husband or wife or parent or grandparent or brother or sister, colleague, student, neighbor that you can be God's obedient service servant so that all will know that you are his and that he is yours. In your weakness, God promises to come in his strength. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's when we're on our backs, you see, literally or metaphorically frozen with fear, not knowing which way to turn, that we experience God with outstretched hands, saying, I love you, I'm here for you, and I'll see you through. And it's then we discover again and again that God really does help those who can't help themselves. Let's pray together. Our gracious and compassionate Father, we don't know why you love us, but we're so glad that you do. Left to our own devices, we would regularly stumble and fall. Without you, we would truly be in a mess. For while we can self-help to a degree, we could never, ever get close to you, our Father in heaven. We could never make amends for our sins. We could never know your forgiveness and pardon. Minister to those who are on their knees this morning, 
not knowing which way to turn, not knowing where to go for help. Draw near to those who are traumatized by the past, who are overwhelmed by the present, and who are scared stiff regarding the future. This morning we come with open hands, confessing our utter helplessness, seeking your total forgiveness, and desiring to be wholly transformed. Let us receive then all necessary help tailored to our need in the Saviour's name. Amen. Our concluding praise is that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. Father in heaven, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you further for the time of fellowship that we'll enjoy over the barbecue. We give you our thanks for that which we will eat and drink together. We pray your blessing upon each one, both present and those who are viewing online. And we ask, Father, now that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be with us this day and every day. Amen.